So these days, the most common forum for bragging is the internet. But it wasn't always so. I remember the days when someone who openly bragged couldn't hide behind a screen, but had to confront the annoyed expressions of people. Like this, these days you can get away with it. I had a cousin. I had permission to share the story, by the way. Um, I asked him, hey, can I mention the story about how you used to brag and it was kind of awkward? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. But <clears throat> I had a cousin who not only had a habit of boasting, but he didn't even know what was worth boasting about. He bragged about having the fastest CD changer in America. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, like back in the day, like in the car, you put one CD at a time and you had to hear that entire CD. Well, they, they ended up having like a, a device that you could put into your car where you can actually rotate between multiple CDs. And he used to brag that he could go from like disc one to disc three, like just like that. Like he would brag about it. He bragged about wearing the same pair of shoes in all four years of high school. And we would hear things, I mean, that's just some of the examples. We would listen to him and be like, bro, why are you bragging about this? Like, like, does anyone really care? It's like he really didn't know what was worth boasting about. As I said, he's a really good sport. We tease him about it today. But do you know anyone like that? Who not only boasts, but boasts about strange things? And you're like, why are you bragging about that? Or things that you don't really think are worth boasting? What if that's us? What if we're all confused today about what is actually worth our boast? What if society has mentored us in such a way and we're so influenced by and discipled by the people around us that we are confused, genuinely conflicted and confused about what is worth our boast? We're in a series called Faith We Can See where every week we explore a passage in the letter of James to discover how can our faith become visible, expressed for the world to see. How can our faith be more visibly expressed in our lives? And today we will see that our faith can be seen in the blessings that we boast of. Now I want to be clear. The Bible mentions all kinds of blessings and they're not all spiritual in nature. You can praise God for a job, for the ability to pay your bills, for family, for friends, for good health. Those are wonderful things. They are blessings. Like, you wouldn't want the alternative to not see them as from God and take credit for your, yourself. Like, that would not be what you want. You want to acknowledge these things as wonderful and from the Lord. You can praise God for sunrises, sunsets, and the taste of a good slice of New York pizza. Like, you could praise God for that. Like, thank you for allowing me to not just nourish my body, but enjoy this, right, to savor this thing that I'm eating. However, all those things that we consider blessings are not ultimate. And they're gifts that are intended to point us back to the giver so that we would give thanks to him and depend upon him even more. And it's okay to even talk to other people about those blessings, right? Like whether it's a job or family or friends, relationships, whatever. It's okay to talk about these blessings so they can share your joy and join in worshiping God and giving him thanks as well. That's not boasting. So how do you know if you're boasting? It's because you glory in it, because it's, that's the thing that gives you a sense of adequacy in this world. You glory in it as a source of acceptance and approval. You glory in it, but it because it makes you feel better about yourself and superior to others. That's when you know it's a blessing that you're boasting of. So what is it for you? What is a blessing that you currently have or that you're hoping to have that would, you, will, you, you think you can glory in it because it's what gives you a sense of adequacy in this world? Like if I could have this kind of ministry, if I could have this kind of position, if I could have this kind of relationship, it would cover my shame. 
It would make me feel like I belong. Give me acceptance and approval. It would make me feel better about myself or maybe even better than others, superior to others. What is that for you? What is a blessing that's worth your boast? Today we're going to focus on something that ought to be cherished by every Christian. And even if you're not a Christian today, or you consider yourself a seeker or a skeptic, or you're trying to rediscover faith, hopefully you'll see why this blessing that we see today is a much richer, substantial source of boasting for you than anything else that you could seek in this world. So what is it? We'll look at one thing today, and we'll look at another next week. It's this. It's belonging to Jesus. So as we mentioned last week, James, the uh, half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter approximately 15 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So we're about 2,000-plus years removed from that, right, that incredible event, about 2,000 years removed from it. And, and there's still wisdom here that applies to us because in this passage, James reminds people who come from different ends of the socioeconomic spectrum— he addresses rich and poor, or wherever you find yourself there, whether you have great or humble circumstances, that there is really one thing that is worth your boast. And it's not really what anyone would expect. Let's go ahead and read from verse 9. It's on the back of your bulletin. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride. The word there is boast. Ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride, that is boast, in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So he's addressing, as you can see, believers in different kinds of circumstances. Those in humble circumstances, most likely those who are poor, but it, it encompasses more than that. And then also those who are rich on the completely other end of the spectrum. And just to pause, just pause for a moment to think about how different their experiences are every single week when you have this community or communities that are dispersed where you have rich and poor together. There's a difference in their experience of comfort. One experienced comfort a certain way throughout the week and another a kind of discomfort or a difference in their experience of security, of dignity, of power, of influence and approval. And imagine you're in the room with someone who has a completely different experience than you. Like maybe right now. Maybe you're someone who is in a higher position or maybe you're in, in maybe enjoyable circumstances and there are other people who are in challenging circumstances. Maybe it's the other way around. You're here with very challenging circumstances and you wonder, does anyone know what it's like to have my life, to be in the situation I'm in? And here James is addressing all of them in, this, in, in, in one room and you hear these words read aloud. For those of you who are in a humble circumstance, rejoice or, take or boast in your high position. And those of you who are rich in your humiliation. First, for those who aren't considered blessed by anyone's standard. Like let's say today you look at your life and you're like, man, I, I, no one would look at my life and think I'm blessed. James would say, boast about your high position. But what is that position? It's that you've been lifted up. You've been seated with Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You were associated with him and all the benefits of that. This means today, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of the way that people in this community or society perceives you, regardless of your education or what you possess, regardless of the circumstances that remind you of your lowliness, 
Jesus Christ has lifted you up to belong to him, boast in that. Now notice, it isn't just the lowly who ought to boast. The rich should too. But they are there to boast about their belonging to Jesus, but it's framed as humiliation. Like what on earth? Like who feels humiliated and we're like, yes, I feel ashamed. Like, like what, what is he talking about? How is it a humiliation? Well, I think there are two reasons. The first is he tells us directly why. He says, boast in your humiliation. And then right after that, he says, since or because they will pass away like a wild flower. He tells us what he means. And one way to think of it is this. It's humbling to know that everything you've worked so hard for, that you've ever attained, that you've just, you were striving for and you finally got to the things that you enjoy, that none of it will ever last. And James could mean that this ought to humble you and this realization that it won't last is a gift. That you could see the impermanence of it, that it ought to humble you that this thing that I've worked so hard for, like it's going to ultimately fade away. It's going to wither away like a flower. And that could be deflating. And James might be saying, boast in that. The fact that you understand that, that humbling. But I also think he intends something else here too. Because the world does not esteem Jesus. Like, if he's telling the rich to boast of also belonging to Jesus, which is what it implies, the world doesn't esteem him. I think we forget how scandalous a crucified Messiah was. Like, today, because we live in America, and there's still, even though it's post-Christian, there's still enough of a Christian subculture in America that, that people might respect Jesus as a good teacher. Not so in those days. Crucifixion was horrific and humiliating. Jesus died naked on a cross. It was a death reserved for slaves and criminals. It was a public, 15 years, right? It's just been 15 years since Jesus died and rose again, right? It was a public display for everyone to see what happens when you cross Rome. What happens to those who are criminals and slaves or the lowest in society? It's almost as if if you could think of somebody today that's incarcerated or someone who has died through the death penalty, And imagine claiming that that person is the hope of all the world, God's chosen one. And you're going around telling everybody this. Like, how crazy would you sound? For most of them, the fact that Jesus died the way that he did was evidence that he was indeed forsaken by God and a fraud. It's like certain people that you might even think about in your maybe less noble moments, or maybe you're not proud of these moments, when you look at somebody, and you might be even tempted to think, wow, they've gone through so many things wrong that's gone wrong for them in their life. What what have they done, right? Like, why do they seem so forsaken by God, right? That's the way people, and I'm not saying that's right, right? But that's the way people would have thought about Jesus, that this was ultimately the display that this guy has been forsaken by God. He is cursed by God. That's the way they would have thought about it. But for those who knew that Jesus rose from the dead, knew it was evidence that he indeed is the Savior and hope of the world. The world in James' day did not esteem Jesus. Jesus isn't esteemed in ours either. You know what the world esteems? In every generation, transcends time, wealth. (laughs) It esteems wealth and what you can do with it. The power that money gives you the influence wealth can give you, the status that wealth can give you. Okay, today we're here in New York City. We're people from all different walks of life, different religions and backgrounds. Like, you're a believer in Jesus? Oh, that's nice, okay? But that's not what really gives you value in this city. Talk about how much money you make, the quality of your education, 
the success and the people that you know. Talk about your accomplishments, what you've done, the comfort, security, and power and influence that you enjoy. Identify yourself by those things. Let those things be the source of your adequacy in this world, in this city. But when a person refuses to be identified with that and instead identifies with the crucified Messiah, someone that society does not esteem, it can feel like you are being brought low, humiliated, humbled. And if that's the case, boast of your humiliation. In both cases, James wants the church to know the blessedness of belonging to Christ and to boast in that. So what's this like? Well, when I was 25, I was a chaplain of a college in India. And I spent a year and a half there working with college students. And this, uh, the college was on a mountain about 7,000 feet in the air above sea, le sea level. Um, and so it was just a small town. Everything kind of like centered around this particular college. Um, and the president of the college was a great leader. I ended up staying with him. I didn't have to live on campus, but I ended up staying in his home with his family. Um, and he was someone who was revered. He was revered in the community. He was a charismatic leader, uh, a, a dynamic speaker. When he walked in, didn't matter where he was, like his staff and students would stand for him. Random people, people he doesn't even know would recognize him and salute him. Right? Or like just touch their chest as Indian people do as a way of like showing honor and respect. I'm not kidding. If he was, whenever he would drive, cars would stop to let him pass, even if it was his, th his, their right of way. I mean, that's the kind of respect he had in the community. As I mentioned, I was 25 at the time. Probably looked like a lot of the college students <laughs> that I was, uh, I was working with. Um, and usually when I went to a new place, nobody would stand for me. <laughs> like, nobody would touch their chest, right? Nobody would do the namaste or like say hi. No, I was not... I was not respected in that community, right? No one would strike up a conversation with me. No one would pay any attention. But the moment the president told people, Jason's with me, that moment I was identified by my relationship with him. It was like I was being lifted up. And all of a sudden, I had all the benefits of being associated with him. It was as if I was lifted up. Now, we understand. This is why you name drop. Like, if you, if you ended up having, like, some celebrity's phone number in your, like, in your contact list, like, how hard would you have to fight to not let people know that you've got that person's contact, right? And the reason we do that and we want to name drop is because we know that there is glory in association. Like, if I tell you that I know this person and that we're friends and they're not ashamed to call me a friend, then somehow I can, like, either borrow their clout or I could share in their glory and somehow that glory becomes my own. And James is saying that feeling, like if you were at the lowest place and the most powerful person of your industry walks in and said, he's with me or she's with me, that feeling of being lifted up, if you are lowly and in humble circumstances, you should boast in that because that's what Jesus has done for you. You belong to him. He wants you to boast in that blessedness. That though you are poor in various ways, though you are marginalized, though you feel you have nothing to offer, and you're not considered blessed by anyone's standard in any society or culture, your wealth is not in what you have or what you can do or what you bring, but by your relationship to the most powerful person in the universe that looks at you and says, he or she is with me. That's your boast. The person who knows your name and the number of hairs on your head today sees your thoughts from afar and knows every word before it's even on your tongue, who bore your sins, your guilt, and your shame, and if that was not enough, stands here today to say, give me your burdens too. I will take that upon myself as well. I want that as well. 
who has shown that he's willing to love you to death and back. Your boast is that despite all the wrongs you and I have done and our lowly circumstances, Jesus the King has declared that we are with him. Now that's for the lowly of heart. We both boast in our exaltation, but what about the rich? You are to boast of your humiliation or in being brought low. So how, how so? Let's just use the same illustration for a moment, okay? I want you to imagine now that the president of that college flew back to Manhattan with me. And we're standing in the middle of Times Square. Nobody knows who he is. <laughs> and nobody cares. Nobody's going to stop traffic for him. I think about the, <laughs> the last time Jyoti and I were, I think we went, uh, we went to, yeah, it was last year in, we went to Yosemite. And like we were there for some time and we came back. And as soon as we got back to LaGuardia, like we were standing there waiting for her parents to pick us up. And like someone was like cursing, <laughs> like, you know, like, get the, off the road, you, you know. And we're like, yep, we're back in New York City, you know. Doesn't matter who you are. You're not above that criticism. You're not above a couple of F-bombs, right? Like everybody gets it. No discrimination there. Imagine we're back in the middle of Times Square. No one's going to salute him. Nobody's going to touch their chest when they see him. He's not esteemed here. And so when I am asked to identify myself in a society does that, that doesn't esteem him, will I still primarily identify myself by my association to him? Will he still be my boast? Right? Will it still be that I'm with him? I want you to feel that tension for a moment because you are here today and you might have a lot going for you. Wealth and possessions, the clothes you wear, your accomplishments, your experience in life. And when you have all of those things to go going for you, and nevertheless you choose to boast in what society does not esteem, you experience a kind of humbling, right? I have all these things going for me that would allow me to feel so high in the eyes of others, but I'm choosing to not let that be my boast, but to boast in Jesus who society does not esteem. That's like feeling like you're being brought low, right? I'm not going to lead with that. I'm not going to lead with all the things that everyone else brags with. I'm going to make my boast in him, and I'm going to boast in that humbling, that humiliation. James says, even so, boast in him. You see, both the rich and the poor need to see the blessedness of being identified with Christ. What James says is important for both of them to know. For example, in verse 11, it's in the back of your bulletin. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. You see, for those of you today in humble circumstances who think you would, you'll, just, you'll finally be happy if you could have this glory that you want to boast in that will give you a sense of adequacy in this world, for those of you in humble circumstances, as you look to something else to be your boast, James is reminding you, but it's going to fade away, right? So he's not just talking to the rich, he's talking to the poor as well. He's telling those in humble circumstances, like, don't put your hope in that. It's going to wither away like a plant. And for the rich who could boast of their current wealth, they too are reminded, it's all going to fade. Christ is our true wealth. And being found to, in him, belonging to him, that is true blessedness worth our boast. So we look at all the resources we have and we don't have today. We look at the comfort we have or we, we wish we could have. 
the power and influence we have or that we don't have or the security we have or don't have. And we glory in the fact that we are not our own but belong to Jesus, both body and soul, forever. That becomes our boast. Earlier I said that everyone, even if you're not a Christian, should discover the riches of this, right? That this is such, fir such a, a firmer foundation than any other thing that we'd want to boast in. Now why do I say that? Because whenever you seek something as your ultimate blessing or boast, it's going to do one of two things. It's going to leave you disillusioned or weary. It'll, be, it'll leave you disillusioned if you're successful and you actually get it. Or you'll just be weary from trying to get it. For example, disillusionment. If you attain it, you're going to grow disillusioned because how many people have said they've gotten to the top of the mountain and it's just okay? They become disillusioned with it. It didn't make them as happy as they thought. When multi-billionaire Mark Cuban was asked what advice he would give to someone who won the lottery, he said, if you weren't happy yesterday, you won't be happy tomorrow. Clearly, it only did so much for him. Jim Carrey, I I've quoted this before. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. What are they saying? I've been to the top of the mountain and it's just okay. That's disillusionment. Right? Even if you're successful in attaining that blessing, it's only a matter of time when you realize it wasn't everything that I thought it would be. Or you grow weary, right? You're tired of always striving to get that thing that you could finally glory in, right? And you realize it's still not enough. And the reason is because we adapt. We always adapt to our blessings. We always adapt to it. That raise you got at some point is not going to be enough because groceries are just going to get more expensive, <laughs> right? Heard someone say last year, uh, Dear Black Friday, we all have a TV, and you just put groceries on sale, right? That's a, like at some point that promotion that you're hoping to get so you can have a little bit more money, what's going to happen is either your expenses increase, right? Or you just end up having more things, or, but you, it's just not going to be enough. Or the promotion you hope to have one day is going to be the very position that makes you feel pl like you've plateaued. And there's nowhere else to go. Is this it for my life, right? Is there, no, like, have I, have I reached the ceiling of my career? That promotion that you're striving for is going to be the thing that makes you feel like you've just settled and plateaued. Here's one that maybe more of us, if we're on social media, can, uh, ex we've experienced before. The, the number of followers you hope to have on social media and the likes you hope to get will one day leave you feeling like you're forgotten because you're going to adapt to it. And you'll just grow weary of always chasing that next thing that's going to finally satisfy you, something that you can finally glory in. If disillusionment doesn't get you, family, weariness will. Okay, but belonging to Jesus, you can mine the depths of that for all of eternity. And there's still more glory to be seen in that. You can glory in that forever. That your creator, someone of infinite beauty and glory, loves you and delights in you. And, and I'm I was thinking about this verse, Hebrews 2, 11, where it says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers or sisters. He's not ashamed to be associated with us. Right? How many people would love to be told that they are loved and delighted in and that there is affection for life? We would all like sign up for that if every morning we could hear that somebody loves us and delights in us. Well, we've got the creator of all things, our maker, who loves us and delights in us. And he doesn't grow weary of telling us that. And that's as glorious as, is, as your vision is of him. And he is so intent on showing you that he would not allow any barrier between you and him. No sin and not even death.
and all the other blessings of this world just continue to point you back to him to let you know that's how wonderful he is. That's how good he is. That's how much he loves you so that you could give thanks to him and depend on him so that you would glory and boast in him. See, the world may consider it odd. It may be as crazy as boasting about a CD changer. They may think that you are confused and you don't know what really is worth your boast. James would say, boast in him anyway. I want to conclude with one of my favorite verses. It's what the Lord told his people through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Just hear these words. Receive them in your heart. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord.